This information is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or tax advice. Please consult your attorney or accountant to discuss your particular business situation. SBS participation in this presentation is not an endorsement of the views, opinions, products, or services of any of the participants, persons, or entities. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. This information is as current as April 21st, 2020. Aloha, I'm Evan Leong from Grand Gain, Hawaii, and welcome to today's Safe Hawaii Jobs and Business webinar for April 21, 2020. If this is still fairly new for you, we have a resource folder with updated memos explaining the details of the PPP and loan forgiveness. So please make sure you review those documents before asking questions since A lot of the answers are in those documents. Buddy will post the links um, in the chat box. We have previous webinar videos and a podcast, and Buddy will post those links as well. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce our team for today. We can get into this. Jane Sawyer um, is the district director for the Hawaii SBA and is our champion for Hawaii small businesses. We have Darren Leong from the law office of Darren R. Leong, who's a specialist in employment law. Stacey Katakura is the CEO of the Cumulus, which is the outsourced CFO and accounting firm here in Honolulu. We have Jeff Harris, who's a senior name partner at the law firm of Horkelson Katz, Hetherington, Harris, and Knorik. Um, Buddy Leong is in the background. He's an analyst here at Brain Gain Hawaii, handling our communications, the email list, updates Google Drive, and more. He's also running the chat box and, and the uh, Q&A. And Coco Leong is our editor here at Brain Gain Hawaii, in charge of our content and the video. Um, he's also in charge of the podcast and the YouTube channel. So questions, we're going to take them in the Q&A chat box only. That's the button at the bottom of the Zoom window. If you post it in the chat box, it won't be answered and Buddy will ask you to post it in the chat box. So please post it in the chat box. Um, you can also upvote the questions in the Q&A box if they pertain to you as well. And we're going to try something new today in the latter part of the webinar to answer those um, upvoted questions live. Okay. For unanswered questions, you can email them to us at questions at braingainhi.com, but only for the last, um, for 30 minutes after this webinar is done, because the load is too big. Uh, it's, it's too hard to get to all of it. Okay. And lastly, this is a fully volunteer effort. No one's being paid here. We're working for free. It's pro bono. We're just trying to help out you know, Hawaii employers uh, save jobs in their own businesses. Uh, we're, we've put in hundreds of Person, uh, hundreds of hours and personally answered over hundreds of questions. So if you're getting value from this, we'd love to hear about it. Um, that's what helps keep us going. So before we, um, so before any further ado, sorry about that. Let's start with Jane Sawyer from Hawaii's SBA. Thank you. Aloha, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Um, as we're sitting here talking about COVID-19 response and how we're going to help small businesses and employees get through this. So um, top of the news today is we're looking at another round of funding for the PPP and idle small business loan programs through the SBA and your local financial institutions. Now, it looks like it's largely a lot of the same criteria. Um, we hope one thing we'll see is maybe some improved efficiency to get your loan applications processed and through your banks into the system quickly and getting a response to you um, much faster than we've been able to. Again, your patience is, is appreciated because this is such an unprecedented high volume effort across the country. But with uh, 
folks like the experts on today's uh, webinar, you're getting a lot of good advice to make it a little bit easier to cross the finish line, get some funding, and uh, hopefully position your, your business, your small business for better survival as we come out of this and go forward. Um, again, we're expecting that uh, we're going to see some fast action from Congress, and hopefully we'll have information by the end of the week about opening up um, the spigot for more financial assistance to small businesses. The bill that they're, they're considering or is coming out of the Senate right now um, puts another $310 billion for the Paycheck Protection Program loans at SBA. And again, these will still have the same features previously, open to all, all small businesses with under 500 employees, um, and it can go up to $10 million. You have a two-year repay if, it, if the funds are not uh, awarded forgiveness. So there, you apply through local banks and participating lenders, fintechs, people that will be able to help you get your loan uh, processed, approved as quickly as possible. Uh, but the, the key feature of this remains getting your employees on the payroll. So that's the key feature. You need to think about that, plan for that. Even if you may be um, a small business who's already submitted your application and didn't get funded in round one, we recommend you contact your lender the bank where you submitted it, see if the application is good, check your inbox for your email in case they have sent you some type of notification about your status, the status of your application. So check on that, check with your bank, and then with some of the comments you'll hear today, you may want to adjust your strategies, but uh, the banks, again, are committed to working as quickly as possible to push these through and make sure we get the dollars to Hawaii-based small businesses. Um, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan looks like it's going to take on some more funding um, with this round of legislation, with this update for the Act, for both the advanced portion and um, the Economic Injury Disaster Loans itself. This queue also slowed down. And remember, if you've got a number, either with a, hopefully with a beginning with a three, that means you're in queue and your loan is being processed. We're seeing that they're kicking out some more of these advances up to $10,000, and you should get um, that money into your account and also a notification in your inbox regarding the status of your loan. Again, they're backed up pretty, pretty strongly still, so we recommend that you um, send them an email and give them a little bit of time to respond if you have questions about the status of an economic injury disaster loan as well. Um, the SBA debt relief is still available um, for now for the next six months. If you have a current SBA loan and you haven't gotten notified from your banker about uh, SBA making payments for you, check with your bank or if it's a disaster loan, call the disaster office and maybe the last loan servicing person that you spoke with there to see about how to get that loan deferred and help you manage your cash a little bit more easily. I think that's probably a quick enough update here. Um, from my side, and let's get on with how we deal with the details. Thanks, guys. Thank you, thank you, Jane. Um, hello, everyone. So uh, for Q and A's, just so we can see what are the most pressing questions, um, there in the Q and A box, there's a little thumbs up, so you can vote up questions, and we'll take a look at those there. And uh, once we hit all of the the items that we had pre-planned, then we will just be taking those Q&As uh, with the ones that are the most voted up. Um, 
like we did the last time, I'd like to address uh, those of you out there who uh, submitted PPP applications but did not get funded in the first round. Um, so first, some additional statistics that uh, have been published uh, in the past few days. Uh, I discussed some of those statistics in the um, Friday webinar. Uh, Bank of Hawaii uh, uh, in, I think, the Star Advertiser reported that uh, it had approved 2,100 uh, loans for a total of $525 million of the $2 billion that Hawaii got. Um, what that breaks down to is an average loan size of $250,000. Um, the state of Hawaii, uh, the average loan size appears to be in the range of about $174,000. Uh, so Bank of Hawaii's average loan size is significantly above the average. Uh, First Hawaiian Bank published, uh, or at least was, was in news sources, as having a total of $800 million of the $2 billion, which would be the highest bank in total dollar amount. Uh, we are unable to calculate their loan size because uh, we don't have their numbers on how many were approved. Uh, if, however, their loan, their number of approved loans are in a similar range to some of the other banks, uh, because Bank of Hawaii, again, was 2100 and ASB, or American Savings Bank, was 2500 then uh, First Hawaiian Bank would have a very high average loan size. Um, uh, we raise these stats uh, really to get to what we think is the most pressing question for you, which is, if I submit a PPP application, where's the fastest place that I can get that application approved? Um, and anecdotally, you know, we've, we've received quite a few emails of applications that were submitted in the uh, first day or two, the April 3rd, April 4th, April 5th, uh, that weren't funded. Um, unfortunately, we can only sort of piece some of this together, but I guess I would say to the extent that some of the banks um, out there reopen their um, their portals uh, sometime in the near future before the next round, um, then you may want to consider putting an application in there, uh, even if uh, you put one in very early at uh, another one of the banks. Because um, again, your interest is in getting your PPP application into the SBA eTrans system as fast as possible and whichever bank can do that would be uh, the bank that, that presumably you'd want to use. Um, there are also some other uh, options outside of Hawaii that we don't know much about, but we know they are accepting, such as PayPal and other fintechs uh, that are accepting PPP applications. Um, we don't know how deep their lines are. We don't know how long it's expected for them to you know, move through their entire line and get to a new application submitted now, but um, it's another option for you. Um, our estimate um, in terms of how fast the new money will go, um, which is $310 billion, uh, based on the rate that the money went in the last 24 hours of the last round, we think that it will be something less than 72 hours. So, uh, our best guess, and it really is a guess at this point, but our best guess would be our banks have somewhere in the range of two to maybe three days total 
to get as many loans pumped through the SBA ETRAN system um, as possible. So again, uh, you want to have a perfect application so that that whatever bank is going to submit it for you, um, that it goes through quickly and smoothly. And to the extent that uh, some of the banks are up and running and have a chance to uh, get your application into the SBA ETRAN system, um, you may want to consider going to another bank um, if, if your first bank didn't process the first time around. Uh, uh, I should make clear that that is not an opinion that is held by the SBA. That is, um, that is a personal thought. Um, uh, in terms of when we think the new uh, money will, will go up uh, and ETRAN and e will open back up, uh, it's reported in the news that the House will likely pass this, this legislation on somewhere around Thursday. Um, and uh, it is unclear whether there will be a, a few days or literally minutes from the point that the president signs it to when SBA ETRAN opens back up. So again, uh, the banks are definitely ready, but you folks, uh, you want to be ready to have your uh, applications in and ready to go. Um, so we'll switch gears now to uh, those of you who have PPP loans and some of the questions that we've been uh, we've been getting. We'll hit a few of them before we go to this Q and A, um, uh, and then we'll go to the Q and A. So the first one relates to something that we are um, seeing pop up over and over and over and over, which is um, which is a, a strategy saying to use the funds um, after June 30th to to withhold some of the funds in the period before June 30th and to use them after. Um, uh, I, I certainly have uh, some thoughts on that that I've shared before, but I'll actually pass it to um, Jeff Harris to provide his thoughts on the legality uh, of using PPP funds uh, beyond June 30th. Uh, and then I'll, I'll comment after Jeff. Thanks, Darren. Darren, uh, the statute itself limits allowable uses to specific expenses incurred and paid before June 30th. So under a, a, a clear reading of the statute, it, it, uh, we see no, no real permission to use the loan for anything after June 30th. We're aware of the opinion that you may be able to hold some of that money and get it at the 1% or 4% interest rate provided in the statute over the next two or 10 years. But we think that's a, that's a, a, a risky move now. There may be some further clarification either by SBA internally or in the upcoming regulations that allow that strategy. But as it stands now, uh, you should plan on uh, obtaining the the maximum forgiveness you can on your loan and then returning the balance of it to the bank at the end of the eight week period darren that 's all I have yeah i I would pile on to that by with essentially a legal response and also a practical one so uh, on the legal one to to what Jeff has said, the allowable uses section of the statute has a covered period that is that relates to that section of the statute. So the covered period ends June 30th and says you can do all these things 
um, payroll costs, rent, et cetera, that you can use the money prior to June 30th. Uh, the only allowable use of that money under the statute is during that covered period. So the statute has no uh, piece in it that says you are allowed to use the money for payroll costs or anything else after June 30th. I mean, the caveat is that SBA and Treasury rules have been fairly liberal to date, but until there is one that says you could use the money after June 30th, I think you know, particularly in light of the certifications that are signed by the borrower um, and the very severe penalties that can result from it. I, I think that's an extremely risky move. The, the second response is a practical one. So if, if you use the money for the, the 75% payroll cost, 25% um, non-payroll cost in the eight weeks, do all the correct things, you're entitled to 100% forgiveness. And, and just assume in this example, say that that payroll cost is, uh, is essentially wasted on underutilized employees, but you still get the benefit of that 25% of your loan proceeds for uh, rent, et cetera. So if you, if you use the money in that eight weeks um, for those purposes uh, and assume, just assume for the purposes of this example that you have $100, um, you get a $25 benefit. If you were to wait after June 30th and treat this money as some kind of just 1% loan, again, setting aside the le legality, which we, we believe is not legal, um, you use it as a loan. What you're comparing it to that point is, uh, is the benefit of that low interest rate. And you can get another loan, whether it be Main Street at 4% or what have you. So assuming you could get another loan after June 30th for, say, somewhere in the range of 4%, the benefit you're getting is money that you can use at 1%. So the benefit is a 3% benefit. So what you're comparing, um, again, on this $100 loan is a $25 benefit now versus a $3 benefit later. So even if this particular strategy was, uh, was legal, it, to me, it does not make sense economically because you're giving up a $25 benefit now for a $3 benefit later. So, uh, I mean, we've, we've addressed this a couple of times now, but we wanted to address it again. Um, I'll, I'll move on to another um, uh, clarification that's come up, which is uh, for unemployment, um, there's a question of, in order for a person to get the $600 federal uh, piece of unemployment, um, what are the requirements? Uh, do you, are there more restrictive requirements than just meeting the, the test under state law to get any unemployment at all? So I'll, I'll pass that one to Jeff. Uh, the employee needs to be available, available for work in order to receive the state unemployment benefit and the corresponding federal emergency unemployment benefit. If the employee isn't available for work because they've rejected an offer to return to work, then they're not eligible for either of those benefits. And, and the, I have an add-on there that maybe Stacy can, can explain a little bit further. And that's when you leave someone on, uh, unemployment. We already know that the reserve fund for 
our unemployment, calculating our unemployment insurance contributions next year is going to be quite a bit larger. But the more, more, more of your employees that you leave on unemployment, the higher your experience rated contribution is going to be up to 6.4% of your wages based on the people you leave on unemployment. Thanks, Darren. Yes, Stacy, do you want to comment on that? Um, now that he, I think he covered everything that I wanted to say about the SUDA rate um, potentially going up. Um, and I think I also, I just wanted to reiterate too that um, it is the employer's obligation to report to the, the DOIR that you've offered uh, an employee their job back. And if you don't do that, um, you know, you risk being paid, um, you risk the employee depleting your, uh, your reserves even further. Yeah. Um, Stacy, switching gears a little bit, there's a question um, that is getting uh, pushed up relating to the status of idle funds, um, including both the advances and the loans, um, and what the, the current status of idle is. Can you address that? Sure. So Jane started off the webinar today um, announcing that the with the new bill that should be passing later this week, um, the idle loan um, uh, the idle loans will be reappropriated um, at $50 million, I believe, and the idle advances will be, re, uh, the appropriation will be increased by $10, million, uh, $10 billion. Um, and I think that the only other thing I wanted to add was that I, we've been hearing um, anecdotally that the idle advances have started to fund, um, and they're about a three-week waiting period right now. So if you put in your application at around March 30th to 31st, you probably have been seeing the, um, the deposits at your account this week. Um, and I've also heard that a lot of times the, the, you'll just have to check your bank account because the, the, the deposits are coming without notification by email. Um, and so the next step would be, I think, then to wait. We've also seen um, some people getting contacted directly by uh, the SBA, somebody at the SBA to reach out to whoever was, uh, the email was um, listed on the application to start the process of negotiating your loan amount uh, and terms. Thank you, Stacey. Um, so going to some of these questions now, the first one is a two-parter that's at the top of the list. Um, and it is a question about whether you can prepay uh, expenses like rent uh, that might be due outside of the eight weeks. Uh, I'll actually expand on, on this question because I think it relates to the, the, the costs incurred and payments made um, section. So this, this takes a number of of forms. Um, one would be for costs that are incurred before the eight-week period. So for example, if uh, employees uh, work in the week prior to the eight weeks uh, of, of the forgiveness, but you pay that payroll out within the eight weeks, that would be one situation. I um, mean, another situation would be these uh, kind of prepayment of rent situations, like can you pay rent in the eight week period if it's going off into the future and um, beyond the eight weeks. Uh, Stacy, what, what, uh, what is your thought on that? So I, um, I still, I, I'll answer that in a, in a couple of different ways and not directly first, but um, in the last IF uh, interim final rule, there was a calculation that they gave about um, the maximum amount that you can pay payroll to an employee, and that was $100,000. And they clearly calculated that $15,000, 385, I believe, 
and that's that's strictly an eight week accrual period because um, it's that that equates to one hundred thousand dollars divided by fifty two times eight. So it's it's strictly a, an eight week accrual period. Um, so while they haven't they haven't identified given definitive guidance to what the costs incurred and payments made, it would appear that the intent is just to include eight weeks. Um, having said that, however, um, I, I also I, I think we still really need some clarification on what costs incurred and payments made is, especially with, with respect to the rent um, component, because I believe um, the intent of the Paycheck Protection Program in allowing you to use 25 percent of the, um, the, the proceeds on other uses other than payroll was I, I believe that the intent might have been to allow for people who haven't been able to pay their rent because they're, they shut down um, to catch up on back rent payments. Um, so that that is something that we are really, really keeping an eye on, and, and we hope that by the time the final regulations are issued, um, I believe it should be on or before the 26th of April, um, that that will be cleared up. Yeah, I mean, we really could use some regulations on that particular issue. We really could use some regulations on what a full-time equivalent is. Uh, on forgiveness that those are probably the two biggest ones. Um, I, I know that Jeff probably has the most uh, conservative view of the three of us on on this uh, issue of cost incurred and payments made. But uh, Jeff, do you want to give your thoughts uh, on that? Dollar question is those retirement benefits that were accrued the cost the cost was accrued based on hours worked in 2019, and the the employer isn't required to make those contributions based on the hours worked in 2019 until they file their tax return. As late as as well, many employers wait until September uh, of this year to to make those contributions. And I I don't think it's clear that that retirement benefits that are that are incurred during the eight-week period and paid during the eight-week period can be easily stretched to cover that situation. It would be good to have some additional guidance, but that, that's probably the broadest stretch. Do, do, do we really think that those PPP loan funds should be used for amounts that were essentially earned in 2019 and won't be, typically won't be paid till September 2020. Uh, I, the conservative advice is don't cover them yet. Wait for the additional guidance. The additional guidance is necessarily going to have to cover this sort of language. Yeah, I think the practical point that comes out of what we're describing as essentially ambiguity is that the one thing we know for sure is that if the costs are both incurred and paid, within the eight-week period, they're going to count. So that means if, you know, if the first week of that eight-week, uh, whatever the employees work, and if they're also paid within that period of time, then that's going to, that's going to count. So, um, you know, I, I, we will get clarification. We are pretty confident. And so, starting sort of off right now we're you know we're going to get a week or two in of using ppp funds um i think the the practice pointer is to get everyone on full payroll because if you project out that full payroll is going to be at the end of that eight weeks about 75 percent 
um, you want to get them rolling now so that uh, so that you are on track to use the the full amount of forgiveness. And Darren, okay, go ahead. Darren, can I can I add one other thing? Sure. I think the important important thing to do now is think about being very conservative until those regulations come out. Document document the in a memo to file or even a board resolution, the expenses that you're, the expenses within the eight week period that you can clearly pay now. And then if, if, the, if the regulation opens up the period to cover the, the retirement plan example that I had or the, or the rent before or after the eight week period that Stacy had or the, or the payroll spanning the start of the eight week period that Darren had, we should get an answer to all of those one way or the other within the next week or so in final regulations. Just, just wait, wait until you get a, a clear answer one way or the other before you spend the money or plan, plan to readjust your spending, your, your allocations out of that separate account. You should probably be keeping with all those PP funds in it uh, so that at the, end, at the end of the eight weeks, you only have allowable expenses. Yeah, the, the next question is, is somewhat related. Um, next question at the top of the chain, which is um, bonuses. Uh, and uh, again, I think the practice pointer here, uh, before I address some of the ambiguity, the, the practice pointer here is, if, if a bonus is gonna be allowed, then you prob we probably want to get the guidance on regulations first. So, you know, save it, pay, pay regular wages at 100% now, but wait till the, you know, toward the end um, on the bonus question. Uh, so with respect to bonuses, um, uh, well, uh, let me pass this to Stacy, and then I'll, I'll give a, a couple of thoughts on whether bonuses um, within the eight-week period are allowed. Go ahead, Stacy. Well, I, I do believe that bonuses are allowed. I think um, it should not, you know, means do you want to pay a bonus that would allow an employee to exceed the 15385 mark of compensation during the eight-week period? Um, I also do think that you should um, tie, make sure that the bonuses are earned so that you're tying the bonus um, to something that, um, that you actually did rather than just paying the bonus out to, to the employee. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And the, the reason why I would agree is that uh, for a number of you, if you pay 100% staff, 100% wages, you, for a number of you, you'll fall short of the 75% by about half to 1%. So there'll be extra money that is supposed to be going to payroll costs. There'll be extra money left over. Um, and that suggests to me that that the intent is to, you know, to be able to use a full 75%. So the only way to do it at that point would be either to pay a bonus or to hire another person. Um, um, uh, the next question at the top of the chain um, actually looks like very similar to the last one. Um, yeah, I mean, the next, so the next question is uh, the other uh, unanswered one that we're getting over and over, which is um, how to deal with the FTE calculation um, in light of the fact that we don't have regulations, at least for another few days, on telling us what the average monthly headcount will have to keep is in order to, um, you know, 
not have the forgiveness reduced. Um, Jeff or Stacy, why don't we pass this to Stacy? Do you have any particular thoughts on that? Sure. I think um, in absence of any in any guidance, I think for planning purposes, a lot of you are trying to plan on how many how much staff to bring back. Um, I do think the best rule of thumb is probably to use it 30 hours a week is um, is what I think a lot of people are uh, relying on just because it's, it will um, yield the most conservative result when you when you look at the number of hours divided by 30. Yeah, I mean, essentially, it's we're, we're probably going to be facing either a an hours based definition of full time equivalent or some kind of combination of like a headcount plus plus hours. So, you know, it the, the first the first clear uh guidance piece is you want to you want to pick the look back period that is the lower number. Okay? So, there's no question about that. So, uh January or February of this year is one look back period in terms of figuring out what your you know, how how many hours did you pay out to employees during that period of time? Um, and the other look back period is February 15th to June 20th of last year. So figure out which one is the lower headcount number, because that's the one that it will be your, will be your benchmark. Um, and then, you know, Stacy's advice, I think going from there. Um, next one is, uh, Definitely. Well, let me take the next one in a broader fashion. The the question is um, whether trash pickup is uh, considered a utility, but is a question about the definition of utilities uh, general generally. Um, uh, why don't we pass that to Stacy? So I believe the definition of utilities um, is your typical you know telephone, electricity, gas, water, sewer, uh, internet. Um, and they they have a definite they have a term in there called transportation utilities and the only the only reference to transportation utilities or example that we've seen is in the interim final rule which identified gas as a transportation utility um, I would I've had questions about you know can we um, can we use our, our IT service provider not your internet service provider but your IT consultants um, and I would think that's not the spirit of the the, the rule yeah. Um, okay. Next question relates. Ne next question actually comes up a, a fair amount, which is uh, the hundred thousand dollar cap on um, employee compensation, and and sort of to go backwards a little bit. Stacy had mentioned a fifteen thousand three hundred eighty five dollar number. What she's referring to is. If you have someone who has the highest compensation allowed, which is $100,000 per year toward the PPP, um, the, uh, that rate at eight weeks, so if you take $100,000, uh, you divide by 52, which is 52 weeks, and then you multiply by eight to get what the rate is for eight weeks, that comes out to 15385 and change. So that's, that's where that number comes from. And the question is for a particular individual, you know, who's, who's counting, who's been counted toward payroll costs, can you exceed that number? Um, and uh, here uh, there's a difference between um, employees and, and owners. 
Um, so uh, again, either Jeff or Stacy, if you wanna, you want, Jeff, Jeff looks like he's answering written questions. Stacy, do you wanna take this one? Um, and the question was, uh, it's, it's different between employees and owners. Um, so the employees clearly will get a salary and that, that salary is uh, capped to the 15385 number. Um, the owner's compensation, it depends on what kind of owner you are. Um, if you are a shareholder in an S corporation, you're all, you're, you are uh, most likely on payroll. So you would be subject to that same cap. If you're a self-employed individual, you're, the, you're, um, it's a, a cap on your net self-employment in income. So whatever you've reported on your Schedule C, not to exceed $100,000 a year. Um, I want to also, I wanted to also um, throw in there that the, the new interim final rule did um, specify that owners' um, health insurance benefits or, or retirement benefits are not included as a payroll cost. That has also come up a lot. I'm not sure why they excluded it, but um, it is excluded from the definition of, of payroll costs. Uh, up above 100,000, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, there's so the, um, the most recent or second interim final rule had a lot of rules in it uh, geared toward um, owners, uh, whether they be LLC members or, or other folks of, of that nature or sole proprietors. And, and what they're trying to address is this issue that um, they're not on W-2 compensation. So you're talking about essentially net profit for those people. And the rules that were just issued are really geared toward trying to avoid gaming the system. So some of the rules that they rolled out for owners are things like if you didn't have uh, retirement in 2019, you're not allowed to all of a sudden start a retirement account now and count it toward PPP. Or if you didn't pay for your own health insurance last year, you're not allowed to do that now. Um, the other uh, restriction that Stacy mentioned is because it's net profit, they, they're not allowing you to go above that 15385 threshold. So if you, once you hit it, you hit it. Like you can't use um, health insurance or um, retirement to get above that threshold for an owner. Alternatively, for an employee, even though they hit that, that cap on pure compensation, they hit that 15385 number, you can actually tack on uh, health insurance and retirement uh, for those most of these are, are covered in either one of the two memos that we, uh, that we issued, uh, the forgiveness memo in particular, and the, um, uh, the memo for employers that is on, I think, version 14. Um, Jeff or Stacy, did you have any particular issues? Oh, I, I'm sorry, I'm seeing a text come in. Uh, one thing that I did mean to address uh, that uh, we haven't addressed is these um, U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation grants. Okay, so um, uh, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation had put up um, these $5,000 grants, um, and, and you know, let let us be really clear about this. We are a a group of friends who decided to just try and get word, the word out about. Uh, first, the CARES Act, and then it's turned into, you know, if there are other programs that might help Hawaii businesses, we publish, publicize the word. 
uh, let me be very clear that we do not control any of these programs. We are, we are solely here to interpret them and, and try and help you through them. So that uh, $5,000 um, grant um, was published and publicized. Uh, it went live, I think, was it yesterday? Um, and uh, from what we have heard, uh, it, the, the demand uh, for those, as, as with PPP, was overwhelming. It crashed their system, um, and uh, and they got so many applications in that they have now closed it. So we do know we do know. I think um, anecdotally, uh, one person um, who uh, got it. Hopefully, there are others uh, in Hawaii uh, who got in um, and avoided the crash system. Uh, if there are, then then please let us know. But. Um, uh, those those small business grants, um, we understand that they are um, that they are gone essentially. Darren, go ahead, Jeff. I I do have uh, one advertisement, and and that is if some of you uh, agree that it's good to get your employees back to work, even though you don't have a full day's work uh, for them. I have one favorite charity that has plenty of volunteer opportunities, and that's the Institute for Human Services. Connie Mitchell tells me there's plenty of volunteer opportunities out there to uh, work in the shelter with masks, to uh, do intake, to do many volunteer opportunities to help our state's homeless. And so that's, that's just one example of the sort of creative things you could do to have your employees doing something other than sitting at home while you're paying them. Yeah. And, you know, we rolled this idea out last Friday and I'd, I'd like to dig into it a, a little further. So for context, for those of you who were not on that uh, Friday webinar, um, there, there's $2 billion rolling into uh, employers' hands essentially in the next week. Um, and, $1.5 billion of that money is, is essentially earmarked to pay employees. Okay. So you literally have a, an infusion of $1.5 billion going to employees. That's going to cover the next eight weeks or, or so. Uh, that is going to create an absolute glut of underutilized workers, uh, particularly given, I think, Jane had had made mention at the very beginning that that the stay at home order is being extended. Um, so uh, the question is, what can we do with those underutilized employees? And and the idea that we rolled out was, well, there are volunteer types of things, community service types of things that can bring uh, recognition, advertising, marketing to your particular business, while also synergistically doing a really good thing for the community. Uh, and some of the ideas that we talked about were um, delivery services or, um, you know, helping whether it's IHS or, or other organizations. Um, the, the, the addition to that that I think I, I'd want to mention is you will want to make sure that um, if you are essentially expanding what you're doing to include these kinds of creative ideas, you want to make sure that's covered under your workers' compensation insurance. So, so in the event that, say, an employee were injured or something were to happen, that um, you would want to make sure that 
that um, that liability is covered under your workers' compensation insurance. And then to the extent that the uh, employees are driving for deliveries and that sort of thing, I think you'd want to make sure that there is um, automobile insurance that is current um, that would cover uh, those issues as well. So um, I think that's that's the add-on to what I had said uh, last week. Um, Stacy, anything to add on top of that? I, um, I did want to address something else that I just saw kind of pop up in the Q&A. Um, just logistically, I think um, using the eight, uh, the, the eight week period um, with in consideration of the new appropriation that is um, probably going to be passed by Thursday or, or Friday this week. Um, we, again, at the beginning of the, the hour, I think we, we said that, um, or Darren had mentioned that the, the rate at which the funds had been going out in the last couple of days was approximately $100 million a day. So in all likelihood, um, the funds will be gone within the first 72 hours after it's, um, it's approved. So maybe by early next week. Um, the SBA has uh, has 10 days, or the SBA has provided guidance that, that once the money has been approved, uh, it, uh, the banks have 10 days to get it uh, into your account. Um, so mathematically, that should work out to where you have eight weeks. Um, you have eight weeks to use the funds. You might be short a couple of a couple of days, though. Um, but uh, um, there has, in, in everything that we've seen in the in the new law that is being sent to the House, um, it looks to be a clean bill um, with no extension of time, unfortunately, for that that June thirtieth window. Yeah, this this is a, a sort of interesting issue that is now coming to a head, which is um, a number of you are going to be funded in May, and so I mean I think we've even seen some some indication that loans that made it in in the first round that certain banks are telling their customers that they're going to fund them in May. Um, so uh, if you get it in May, your eight weeks will run before June 30th. Yeah. As a, as a matter of what the statute says, um, that essentially shortens your eight week period until and unless SBA or treasury says otherwise. Um, we think there's a good chance they might say otherwise, but but until that time, the statute is is pretty clear. So um, the later you get the money, the shorter your period of time um, to use it. Uh, I see a number of questions on, um, again, on this owner compensation issue, uh, whether it's LLC members or sole proprietors or uh, what's described as independent contractors, partners, et cetera. Um, uh, Stacy, do you wanna cover that? And then maybe I'll tack on a few thoughts. Um, it was, there's something specifically? Um, yeah, uh, I mean, first question is, are owner draws an allowable use? Which I think can be yes. pretty quickly answered. Yeah. Up into the, um, the $100,000 maximum. Um, yeah, and so I mean, I'd go back to the earlier things I said, but um, it, if you are a, um, you know, including owner compensation, or you are a sole proprietor or a LLC member, that sort of thing, I would highly recommend going to the Treasury website and pulling up the most recent 
interim final rule. So what you would do is go to, I think, home.treasury.gov or home.treasury.gov, or if you just Google U.S. Treasury, you'll, you'll get to their, their webpage. At the top of their webpage is a little red um, hyperlink that talks about COVID. You click on that hyperlink, and then on the next page, there will be a bunch of links to all of the regulations and Q&As and resources that have been issued. So in that list is the uh, essentially the second issued um, uh, interim final rule. And that, that interim final rule has a lot in it that addresses owners and has examples and has um, kind of worksheet type of information in there. But uh, again, the highlights that come out of that are for owners, um, you're, you're capped in terms of the amount that you're allowed to use. You're capped at this 15385 uh, number because uh, that is the prorated $100,000. You're also limited to using um, the money for permissible uses that you used last year. So you can't make a new retirement account that you didn't have last year. You can't make, uh, you know, get health insurance that you didn't have last year, that sort of, uh, that sort of thing. Um, uh, so um, take a look there um, for that. Uh, let me see if there's anything else pressing. Uh, otherwise, I'm inclined not to uh, hold all of you guys on, on the line. Um, uh, any final comments, Jeff or Stacy, before uh, I make some sort of final comments? Uh, just on the, on the June 30th issue, Darren, because I'm seeing a number of questions on that. I think it's the clear, the clear statute is the clear statute says allowable uses end June 30th. There are a number of people that want it otherwise. We want it otherwise. It would be good if, if treasury clarified it otherwise, but I don't think you can bank on grabbing that money, not using it during the applicable period and thinking you just get a, a loan on July 1 at 1%. Uh, we'd need some further clarification on that. Stacy. I think the only thing I want to say, you know, um, and we've, I know we've, I think it's just worth repeating. Um, you know, we're, I think whatever, part of what we're trying to encourage everyone to do here is um, to, if you have not yet applied for the PPP loan, um, the funds are going to go very fast. And so if you are on the fence thinking, you know, sitting there thinking about it, I would encourage you to get in line at a bank as soon as possible. Um, I think the other thing that Darren touched upon in the beginning of the hour is um, if you, you know, if you are waiting on an application, if the reason why you don't have your PPP funds yet is because your bank has not yet um, submitted your application to the SBA portal. Uh, if you aren't able to get anywhere, you know, with inquiring on, on the status of your loan, um, I think contrary to what we had been saying before and just applying at one bank, I think you should really reconsider that and, and take your application to the bank that you think your application has the most chances of succeeding. Yeah, I'll I'll layer onto that. Um, and again, make making very clear that these views uh, expressed uh, are not the views of the SBA, uh, which is, 
the way we understand at least uh, the information that has been floating around, the way we understand the SBA eTrans system to work is that if a, an FBIN is entered into that system um, by whatever lending institution it is, it will thereafter lock out everyone else. So uh, it's first in wins. Um, that means that if there were multiple applications pending and the first one gets into the system by whatever bank got it in fast, um, the, uh, the other banks, if they try to enter it in, uh, will not be successful. So. Uh, with that, let me make some uh, final announcements. Um, we're actually ch changing the time for Friday's webinar because we've been typically doing this at two o'clock. Um, uh, our next webinar is going to be on Friday at 10 o'clock a.m. Uh, Senator Brian Schatz, uh, it looks like, just confirmed that he will be joining us um, to talk about the new round of funding. Uh, Buddy will post post a link um, that you can register um, and share. Um, and uh, yeah, and sorry, the the uh, chat keeps moving on me. Um, uh, also, um, Evan uh, and Beth Ann Kozlovich and Trisha Kajimura. Kahi Mohala and Coco launched a uh, video support series uh, to help us move past anxiety and clarity with licensed therapists and coaches. Um, and Buddy will post the link for that as well. Uh, as always, we will continue to update our uh, memos that are on the uh, public Google Drive, particularly if and when there is actual guidance on, uh, from the SBA and Treasury on the forgiveness rules. Um, and, uh, thank you to everyone again, you know, again, uh, I, I know it's a high stress time. Uh, please be patient with us. We're putting out uh, as much effort as we can. We are a group of volunteers. So, uh, if we can help you, we are trying, but, uh, please, uh, show some patience. Um, with that, thank you to everyone and we hope you guys have a great week. And uh, for some of you, we will see you on Friday at 10 a.m. Thanks so much.